what conditions Have you ever, do you, I need to ask you a question about something very important. Do you get post-party anxiety? Do you yes. know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're, I think part of it is less the party and more just hangover depression meets yeah. uh, having interacted with people socially. That's it. Yeah. So I posted about this. We ha- I had a big Halloween party. It was a conspiracy theory themed Halloween so party. Cool. I was so I was an Illuminati. I know you Ugh. were at a wedding in Vermont. So you couldn't come to a party. I'm but so sorry. Someone was a reptile person, and we had people who came as uh, Stanley Kubrick and an astronaut. That, I saw that on your Instagram, and that was primo. That, that, yeah, that it was, was a that was the, that was definitely the best couple's costume. Um, somebody came as an anti-vaxer, which was really funny. So we had like all of these conspiracy theories. Such a great theme for a party. And as the holiday season approaches, and by holiday I mean. Halloween, Halloween holiday. The only holiday that matters. Yes. Scorpio season, if I may say so myself. Yeah. As we, got, we got our little Scorpio in the office here. It's okay. Um, Brooke is a Sagittarius, so she's almost in our league. But <gasps> keep in mind, I'm a Scorpio. I think I have to hate. And I will say that I put zero stock in astrology, astrology. so I'm sorry. I put a lot, and so that really hurt. That cut deep. I'm oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I, I posted about the next day. I woke up, and it's like for the first 20 minutes, you're fine. And then it starts to set in that you start overthinking every interaction you had with people and you kind of already feel bad because maybe you had a lot of Pino Grigio the night before. I don't know. This is hypothetical. I mean, alcohol actually makes you produce less serotonin the next day. So you add that on top of So you're actually more depressed, more anxious. Yeah, just being socially anxious anyway. And not remembering as much potentially, less inhibition. My friends already know that sometimes I'll just like text them and be like, hey, do you hate me? Are you good? (laughs) You don't hate me, Good right? For you. You're a step above the rest of us who just kind of let it linger Sitting in it. their mind. You're like, oh, God, I hope well, you don't hate me. It was pretty bad this last Saturday. And then I, my roommate brought me out some um, milk thistle, which apparently cleans your yeah. liver out. Well, and there's a Connor Oberst song called Milk Thistle. So really? That's good. Yeah. And uh, there was this tincture with like mugwort in it, I think, or something, motherwort, something in it. And I took it and I felt much better. So, so I don't know. So they're going to fix you or make you barf and either one might help. So you that's know what? good. Yeah, it tastes like good dirt. That's good. I actually did feel better after. Okay. So Well, maybe even it's if it's a, placebo, maybe you're a tincture like, away. that can be really, really effective. Yeah. I... I've talked to you about like post drinking, post party, post socializing and combo thereof anxiety before. And in my case, I can never tell if it's just like PTSD, not to trivialize. I know it's not actually. But because in college I would get too drunk and I would do really self-deprecating things mm. like my worst was when I I was with my ex in a bar. We hooked up and then we fought And then he left the bar through the snow, and I got down on my knees. I put my phone straight up in the snow, so at least I knew to prop it straight up. Um, Right in that wet, wet snow. Good for me. And then I tried to, on my hands and knees, find his tracks in the snow and follow them. What's so funny is I can picture you doing this. I can see exactly, like, the look on your face. As you're like, I will find him. And I'm you're gonna, like, I'm being so creative tra- about this. I'm tracking, gonna... <laughs> like, I'm Nancy Drewing this. Oh, yeah. Through I, the snow. I thought I was being so sly. 
And um, shout out to the ex who that was, who now is forever linked to us because he does our theme song. Woo! So shout out to him and them. Obviously, it was not the nail in the coffin that it might have been. But, you know, you wake up the next morning after a lot of nights like that and you're like, oh, God, I actually did do something terrible and I'm hungover. So I never knew yeah. if it was a real correlation, but now I'm starting to think that it's I'm just like, paranoia. I think it's just that I get really over giddy and overconfident. And then the next day I'm and like, then you that was fake. Yeah, that no, is not no, my real personality. And maybe there's even a, a ration, a reserve of how much positivity and you kind of over sap from future you. Maybe so. To, I don't know. Anyway, I got a lot of DMs about it from people when I posted that from people who were like, I get this. I know exactly what you're talking okay, about. So, so I'm like, I think that this is actually just a very normal thing. Science, let's go do it. Science, we need the cure. As Natalie Wynn would say, why is science not doing something about this? Well put. Okay. Um, Other things that science does not have to worry about for the time being, this is exceedingly persuasive. And I'm Mackenzie Brennan. And I'm Brooke Rogers. According to science. According to my mom. All right. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Um, We're going to do in this little mini-sode some questions that were levied at us during the last debate, which we shared with each other and my husband and some cats and our friend Lauren Messman. She brought us donuts. It was really great. It's really nice. Um, But people send us some questions. We're not going to get to all of them, but I picked some that I think we might be able to answer in a way that might satisfy them. Might be succinct. So we don't get to your answer. It's just honestly because... Some require deeper dives, which are actually kind of good. Um, Some, like shout out to Paul Pastore, who asked which candidate has the biggest BMs. We're just going to save indefinitely. We're going to put them in a little lockbox. Brooke and I did answer each other over text, but... That's for us to know. (laughs) And and you to never find out. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're putting that away. Uh, But thank you for your very deep question, Paul. So the first question is, do you think the DNC will interfere in this primary election as intensely as they did in 2016? Do we want to read the Brooke note? My Brooke note is, I assume we'll have different answers to that, LOL. (laughs) Put that in the email. Okay. So I do think that the DNC favored Hillary in 2016. I know you probably have different feelings about that. Well, I think we got to get into the tattoo across our proverbial breast nuance. (laughs) (laughs) So let's first talk about what actually did happen. Yes. So, you know, there are a lot of things bandied about that were seen as um, the DNC favoring Hillary. Uh, A lot of that came from WikiLeaks and Russia-fed interference. The most credible things that seemed to be unbiased and actually significant were from Donna Brazile's book, which came out in 2017, I believe. And Donna Brazile was... Uh, She was the DNC chairperson after... What's her name? Debbie Wasserman Schultz? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Good old DWS. Yeah. And so she had this expose tell-all sort of book in 2017 in which she posited that... It was called Hacks, the Inside Story. Yeah. The, The substance of it, in the end, was two documents that reflected agreements between the Clinton campaign and the DNC, one of which was pretty standard and only made agreements if she became the nominee, and Mm -hmm. they actually had a reciprocal one with Bernie's campaign where he to have become the nominee. The more substantive one for our purposes was an agreement that she would um, help fundraising for the DNC and in exchange get veto power over any new hires that had to do with tech and promotion 
a certain number of positions if they were to open up. Mm-hmm. And that apparently is a little unusual. The main impetus behind it was that Barack Obama had kind of done his own thing. Yeah. In terms of his campaign, he didn't work with the DNC a lot, which is actually pretty unusual in any primary candidates, particularly those who end up becoming the nominee, to just divest themselves. And you think of what the DNC and the RNC are. They don't really have independent, effective fundraising, like crowdsourcing fundraising techniques Mm -hmm. beyond presidential campaigns, the only nationally cohesive campaign. Um, that's bringing money in. So they were broke uh, after Obama didn't really use them too much. And the Clintons, for better or worse, whether you agree with it or not, the fact was that they were the more well-known, they were the more donor-heavy campaign going into that. And there's also the element that, yes, a lot of staffers in political contexts, even more so, as are any employees, are going to have preferred candidates. They're going to have their own beliefs. Yeah. So it... But we yeah. also know there were certain specific things, like some of Hillary's campaign got questions before debates. That and was the more WikiLeaks-heavy one. Yeah. Um, well, it, was, it was emails that Donna Brazil had sent to mm-hmm. John Podesta and, right. uh, I believe, the other person. Oh, yeah. Uh, Clinton communications director Jennifer Palmery. In one of them, she straight out explained what one of the questions was going to be, and the other, she said that she gets the Which, questions I mean, beforehand from time to time. You think of the amount. Hillary won, accounting for all the primaries, by about 4 million votes. So if you credit that for the difference, I just simply don't think that having the opportunity to prepare when you can anticipate a lot of it. Think of how much prep you and I do before an episode And I hope that we know our stuff enough to at least be able to spitball. Mm. Um, And when it's about your own platform and you're a career politician, though their careers are very different, is it really going to be the clincher? And honestly, if you go back and look at the way that both candidates answered those questions, it's not like one was so much better. Well, and to be clear, one of the emails was October 11th, which would have been for the generals, but not the primary, you know, not the final primary. So So it's like... Yes, I think we can say definitively that there was a party preference for Hillary Clinton, as there are for incumbents, for party families, like Mm -hmm. the political dynasty sort of things. Um, She obviously had a lot of money behind her. Bernie was very much more an outsider at the time, especially in terms of the party platform. And yeah, and I think that there, you know, not not to sound too hacky, but Clinton was sort of the... The safer pick in many ways. Yeah, right. Over uh, You would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly think that, yeah, t- t- in the eyes of the DNC, I think that Hillary Clinton was probably the right. safer pick. And I think they probably thought that because a lot of the DNC uh, members and higher-ups yeah. l- came up in a world of Bill Clinton. And yeah. And just in turn, like, she was experienced for sure. The wiki, le- so we know that Donna Brazil book came out with some indication that they preferred Hillary over Sanders, and then all there the WikiLeaks was just the, a, an email dump that showed that there was some disdain of Sanders in the within DNC staff and things like that. Yeah, I don't even know that the thing to me. I don't know that I would characterize it as disdain. And I, to be fair, I have not combed through mm-hmm. with the finest teeth, but I do think that. When I see WikiLeaks used as the basis, I get so hesitant about not qualifying it with the larger context, which is like, okay, none of this is illegal or even that uncommon for people to have a preference, especially when it's 
somebody with the kind of clout and fundraising ability that's akin to an incumbent. And then the fact that this is a reflection of, like, private actors and actors from other countries Mm -hmm. infiltrating our election process to favor the other party. And I will say this. I can understand why people who like Sanders and believe in Sanders would see it as the DNC favoring the establishment candidate instead of the candidate that was more popular. Yeah. And up until up until a certain point and things like that, I can see why they would be upset by. But I think how it looks right, right. I think it's more like a slap in the face in light of something that was already going to happen, regardless. I think so too. And so I, I think the only thing that you can really take away is yes, it sucks that our country and our system is so based on money. Yeah. Um. But, you know, go back Especially to our since, episode on money and politics. Yeah. Yeah, Especially since Bernie is so vocally against right, right, big money donors. That they're very diametrically opposed in that sense. Um, so to take it to the bottom line of whether we think this will happen next time, I don't think that any of the top three candidates, assuming that they stay top three and that it's one of those who becomes a Democratic nominee, I don't know that any of them have the kind of, especially in light of the backlash that the mm-hmm. DNC took, regardless of, of what impact it actually had um i don't know that biden being the more establishment of the three because bernie obviously didn't command it last time he's not going to command it this time the kind of intervention liz warren i don't think is establishment enough and certainly not corporate donor enough to yeah she said that she won't take our money in the so why would she bring it to the dnc so it's really it leaves biden and I don't think that he is as much of a perceived shoe-in. Yeah. And I don't think that they would have as much to gain. No, I agree. I, I don't think there's a clear a clear black and white picture as there, as there was right. in 2016 where there's one candidate that's more favored And it by, could so easily backfire. Yeah, by the established Democratic yeah. Party. And then there's one that's kind of more on the other end of the spectrum there it's there, there are there are so many people running this year and there are a lot of and there's the electability against trump yeah. factor that there there's so many different things that i think we were naive in many ways too in yeah. 2016 that we're like oh no how could somebody this experienced as hillary clinton lose against the likes of trump well you know absolutely so we can kind of move on to the next question here sure. which is what Biden dirt is true and what's fabricated? So I think this was referencing Hunter. I'm assuming it's referencing Hunter Biden's um, dealings. Not with the sniffing, the which I'm gonna assume is true. The hair sniffing. Yeah, I mean that's on camera. Smile, you're on camera. Um, I don't know. Did he really inhale? Did he sniff? <laughs> so yeah, I'm assuming that they're talking about. The fact that Hunter Biden got a like the very good, <laughs> very good position with a Ukrainian natural gas company sure. when he didn't really have a lot of experience in energy and he made a lot of money off of it, and that all is true. He probably wouldn't have gotten the position had he not been the at least he acknowledges the, that yeah the vice president's son at the time, and he was making a lot of money, and we're not really clear on what he actually offered to well the in company. a business sense i think that there are so many people in roles like this you know the elephant in the room being the trump family but beyond that it's nepotism in any industry i mm-hmm. think of hollywood music law where i am which let it be known i have no family in the legal world yeah. so except for one aunt who lives in florida but from the college admission scandal to this nepotism and money in hiring is always a factor 
across the board. Yeah. And short of that, which I think there are ways of confronting that system if that's really what you have a problem with. And we'll get to that. And again, we've talk- we can talk about the fact that Hunter Biden may have gotten this job because of who his father is. And then we'd have to talk about how Ivanka, Don, and Eric are in the like, positions also they're in. Like, pseudo in the cabinet and yeah. in corporate positions that also happen to be tied to their father. Yeah. And that he's I actively think, benefiting from so, I think the simple answer here is that the children of rich and powerful parents generally have yeah. an easier time getting really right. high-paid, powerful jobs. And in some ways, innocently, because say your last name is Kennedy and you look like a Kennedy and you go in to be an intern in somebody's campaign... Hell yeah. And even more innocent. I mean, I wouldn't call it like I, I I wouldn't call it innocent ever because it's like But there's recognition. I mean, if if your friend if I was hiring somebody and you said, you know, I've worked with this person and also there there's the the personal accountability to me. Mm-hmm. Because if I have a problem with them, you know that you suffer, and so you wouldn't recommend somebody to me that you don't know. It's almost a connection-based thing, and there's it's, again, one of those sliding scales where there's a point where it off becomes of, not okay. Yeah, true, but yeah. I think so much of that, if, if you're just getting a friend's recommendation, that's still often, it's a, it's a merit-based thing in many ways, because it's like, yeah. you know, but... So the merit probably is inversely related to how, how much clout your name carries. Exactly. But I, there is still a... A point where it becomes like, yeah, obviously, if there's somebody who has, you know, demonstrated that they can work well and mm-hmm. interviews well, and you also happen to know their parent, yeah, and you know their parent is successful, it's not entirely crazy to think that that would be a factor. I do think there's a point where it becomes just the name and where mm-hmm. the benefits become really outsized to what you're offering. Reuters did a piece in which they talked to people who they said were uh, aware of his role the company and apparently the people who knew him including executives and former prosecutors in Ukraine said that he provided advice on legal issues, corporate and finance strategy, etc. So it's not that he was just, you know, getting drunk right. and going into the office every day, but I, I did read that there were points when he was making something like $50,000 a month through his business yeah, company. And so, so there is a point where it's like, is it ever ethical for the child of a powerful person to get their foot in the door somewhere and then be making that kind of money yeah. when they're, they're – parent is still anybody to be making that money right and this is where i think unless people and this is more of a conceptual idea but unless these are people who criticize this sort of thing who are also advocating for a maximum wage and wealth tax and things like solely merit-based admission to schools and hiring and things Mm. like that that's where the the policy impact really matters and this is just a side effect that every rich person enjoys. If we're going to look at the the legality and the politics side of it, I think we've probably gone through this before, but it's worth recapping because we got the question. So first of all, there's no evidence that Joe Biden had any actual or implied involvement or influence in the hiring. There is no connection between him and that company. So again, subtext being compare that to Trump's role in the mm-hmm. foundation that his parents were or that his kids work in. Um Joe Biden never had any interest in the company, financial or politically, like no personal or political interest in it. Um, Hunter Biden was an adult and a private citizen. It's not like he was appointed to, say, 
a position in the cabinet while holding this position is a private Why would citizen. you even reference Just that, hypothetically, It's not like his father also tried to get him through a security clearance process while he was working for another country. Just those would well, be that things would be that crazy. are red flags. That, yeah. would, be, that would be insane. So no private one would do citizen that. doing his own thing separate of his dad. And then the the biggest clincher for me in terms of looking at the facts is that Number one, the investigation of this prosecutor, which is the at-issue thing, first of all, did not originate with Joe Biden. It originated in the country first with the deputy prosecutor who was saying, hey, this guy is kind of corrupt. He's not investigating corrupt businesses. He's tied to some corrupt entities. Can we get him out? That was communicated then to the embassy, which then communicated it to the U.S. government at large, and then we pushed for it. And that has been twisted into oh, yeah. he was trying to get the prosecutor there's who a was corruption investigating related his son out which it's the exact was opposite. not true it is the exact opposite of that which then parlays into the second point which is the impact of this investigation that joe biden was one of the many calling for um and the replacement of this prosecutor would have actively harmed any corrupt businesses in ukraine because the new prosecutor then started investigating corruption and the company was then investigated by this new prosecutor. So, like, Joe Biden then would have theoretically thrown his son under the bus if there was any wrongdoing. The investigation didn't turn up any evidence or suggestion of of evidence of wrongdoing against Mm -hmm. Hunter Biden. So there's no suggestion of wrongdoing in actuality. So the next question we got was, what do you think about independent companies owning voting booths? And then she went on to say, I'm concerned about rigging. Me so, too, man. Yeah, the short answer is yes. Yes, uh, it's bad. It's bad. The it's companies bad. that are responsible for a lot of these aspects of American elections are subject to limited state and federal regulations. So regulations. So they 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 are they are not really being held accountable for what happens, and we don't yep. even really understand fully what happens. And they, I mean, these companies and are people owned are actively- by people who may have political biases, may have vested interests in who becomes elected. I mean, our, our GD country has elected. political biases. Our parties have yeah. political biases. And individuals, private entities who are not being monitored, hell yeah, they have biases. Um, the things I'd add to that are, you know, a lot of Republican politicians have actively fought, even in, in recent months, uh, in the wake of the Mueller report, most pointedly, there were, I think, at least two proposals in Congress to have paper ballot alternatives across the board and something akin to that, like a backup to these automated Mm -hmm. things that are susceptible to hacking, like the independently owned voting booths or things that are not hard copy, that there's no backup so you can actually record what somebody's voting for. Yeah. Um, And a lot of conservative politicians voted against that. Mitch McConnell, namely, actively blocked, blocked it. Yes. Yeah. The, the only thing, I can, the only reason besides the fact that he... The obvious. Actually, yeah, the obvious yeah. that he actually doesn't care about Russian meddling. And probably actively benefits from it. Or anyone else, mm-hmm. any other company, any other country meddling in our elections is that he wanted to signal that he was mm-hmm. on Trump's side. Come on, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Again, he wanted to signal his loyalty to Trump, basically. Sure, and and honestly, implicitly, whether it, again, like the Tulsi conversation, be conscious or subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, hey guys, I could use some help. I do have some challengers over here. Could you uh, get into these independent cyber machines that 
are hackable. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, if at the very least, it's leaving them open to that. Well, it's kind of like we've talked about with the whole China thing and the quid pro quo. Like, how are other countries supposed to take that when you actively say, "Oh, any criticism of other countries intervening is fake and partisan," and yeah. there's an election coming up. Yeah. Pointed exactly. eye contact. Like, uh, or saying, or like doing the flipping thing where you're like. I hate it when people say, well, America doesn't want us to, or doesn't want other people to meddle in our elections, that we meddle in other people's elections. And I'm like, Oh, Andrew so Yang that, did that in the debate. So it's like, okay, understood. Got your point. Well, and there's a relative does sense Does that there. mean that we just have to let people meddle in our elections? that we are doing something to that extent. And, and you know, two wrongs don't make a right, baby. Even yeah, if that, you could that prove make our that seriously, for this? Uh, voters concerned. Let's for just this? burn it all Lloyd? down. Okay, yeah. cool. And no and sense. I'll also add that there's nothing inherently partisan about not wanting people to interfere in the election and having unless you think it's going to help your side, right? And that being the key bit that having a paper ballot as a backup to something that is easily hackable and that we don't want to regulate hacking on and is independently owned, all these private interests susceptible in the mix. And you and I, very early in our voting rights episode, talked about, like, where are you as a party if a lot of your platform that's voting related is knit with repressing or allowing corruption or preventing people from voting? And I think that this ties into the fact that the more conservative wing of the Supreme Court got rid of the VRA. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which was another thing that facilitated access and i quoted it before i'll do it again that ginsburg's dissent talked about getting rid of this is like getting rid of your umbrella because you're not getting wet yeah so there are all these protections that we're actively going backwards on and we're developing new techniques that are exploitable without that safety net that we used to have and it's it's making for a very undemocratic way of voting. So yes, it's worrisome. Is it's a short answer. We're all, yeah, we're all worried about this. Uh, Long story short, too late. <laughs> John R. Patrick wrote a book called Election Attitude: How Internet Voting Leads to a Stronger Democracy. And in that book, he says that there are that the, the voting machine industry is currently dominated by three companies. Ugh. All three companies are privately held and do not disclose their revenues or profits. The three companies are. Dominion Voting Systems Corporation. That's intimidating. Heart InterCivic. Uh, they make a wide range of voting machines, hardware, and services. And the last one, did I not get the last one? Excellent. Cool. And there's another one. And there's another one that I'll talk about next week. It's another one of those nebulous money and politics, private control over the political mm-hmm. gears, which is very scary to me. Um, but from this... Why don't we move to eight? Yeah, let's jump to eight. Because this is another, like, what is our actual influence as individuals on the political process and policy? So this question was from someone in my DMs, and they said, what happens when someone starts a petition? Like to stop the Keystone Pipeline? Does that actually work? Is Congress obligated to do something if there are X many signatures? The short answer is, it kind of depends on how you go about it. Well, Congress is not. Congress is not obligated to do anything. However, if you go to petitions.whitehouse.gov, be the people, you can create a petition online, share it, and collect signatures. If you gather 100,000 signatures in 30 days, they will review your position, make sure it gets in front of a quote-unquote appropriate policy experts, and issue an official response. So, which uh, okay, no. So let no, me, no one is required to do anything, right. but the you key can distinction file petitions. I think they're... So, 
we should trace it back to the right to petition the government is actually in the First Amendment. It's the often mm-hmm. forgotten uh, prong of the First Amendment that the right to petition your government for redress of grievances is something that's memorialized there. But the right to petition is very different than the right to be redressed in yeah. the way that you've designed. Please. Basically, you can scream all you want. Right. No and one you has have a right to, to scream. Yeah. But, and it, in a way, it makes sense because that's not a formal way of voting Think of what we were just talking about with voting machines. If any jackass who creates an email at fart.com and signs it under the name like Hugh Janus, as was recently broadcast on Fox, I think. Oh, my God. Yes. All right. Um, they did a tweet from a, a Hugh Janus. Um, <laughs> and this but- is why we have explicit on our podcast. That's why we have to mark it as explicit. I'm so cause, sorry. Because Mackenzie keeps Tender. saying stuff like this. I don't know. It sounds like a real name to me. And so, but that's the point. Like, these are unregulated means of expressing an opinion. And while it's great, and I think petitions are most useful to, you know, develop consensus, publicize an issue, get it to your legislators mm. and to media outlets, potentially social media too. It's designed for social media. Um, to notice that this is something that there's significant consensus on, push back in that more attenuated way, and it can be really effective in that sense. Um, Absolutely. But beyond that, it's not like these are formalized one person, one vote sort of things. So yeah. if you if that actually can make a change in terms of the substance of the policy, that could be really intimidating in terms of the lack of regulation. Um, yeah. So uh, this is a, basically petitions are a good way to spread your message, to get people involved, yeah. to and raise help money them too. understand. Some of them take in yeah. money with to, the signatures. And, you know, if you get 100,000 signatures in 30 days, the White House will review the petition and, yeah. and they also, issue a response. So they have a limit on the content that they'll review now too because it's like only things within executive purview. And notably, the, the Trump White House, because this – this website thing is relatively recent. It came under Obama. And the the 100,000 to 30 days thing is a recent bar raising. Yeah. They've kind of changed mm-hmm. the goalposts a bit. But there are certain ones that they don't reply to because it's not within executive purview. Like, get non-idiot writers to rewrite the Game of Thrones finale. And a more controversial one was release your fucking tax returns. And they're like, we don't have control over that. Yes, you do. <laughs> Policy experts. Policy experts. So, yeah, the, right. that's petitions. Um, uh, so we can move on to the next one, which is, is there any world where someone beyond Biden, Warren, or Sanders breaks out and gets above 10%? If so, who? Uh, really yeah. Honest, honestly, I think so. I mean, so Super Tuesday is until March 3rd. And booted so far and yet so close. So close. It's gonna go by in a second, folks. Buttigieg is currently polling at six percent under the Real Clear Politics polling average right now, and Kamala's at five point six. So they're if you if you're talking about who breaks out and gets above ten percent, they're the there two are are most people likely. Neck neck. That yeah. There are people who can do that. Um, I don't think that Warren, Biden, or Sanders are ever going to fall below 10%. Though. I have That's theories the thing, about so. them falling out as as the top three. Biden, I think it would take a faux pas greater than he already has committed. So it, would, it couldn't be another like, oh, he touched me in a way that maybe wasn't sexual, but it was kind of weird. Or, or it could be him like, forgetting something. Weird or- races. It would have to be the next tier. But you think of somebody like Justin Trudeau with the blackface coming out. If you, a year ago, 
had posed to me that either Biden or Trudeau was seen in like three blackface photos. Which one was it? Honestly, I've yeah. never trusted Trudeau. I've uh, always, well, I know, I've always he, had a sneaking suspicion about Trudeau. In the last couple of years, it's I never bought his warm-armed push-ups you could or his buy pretty face. Something more glaring coming out about Biden, yeah. I think, uh, especially as his filter weakens. And the other thing that came to mind with him is what if Obama comes out and endorses somebody else of the top three? I think that would that really take change, the wind yeah. out of his sails. But right now, where everyone stands, again, from the real clear politics polling average, Biden is at 29.4%. He's still at the top. So 4.6 points higher than anybody else. Warren is 24.8 and Bernie is 15.2. He took a little dip after the heart attacks. That may be partially why he's... I don't see him going anywhere in terms of the other two of the top three. I think Warren is on the up and up both practically I think Bernie and and Warren both have staying power. I think Biden might get too... Honestly, he might just get exhausted and have to drop out. I don't know that he would drop out, but I feel like he would just fade in such a drastic way that it's like, oh my god. But that said, I don't know that that's ever been something that's reflected. The fact that he's remained the front runner in spite of what I've seen as a serious fatigue up mm-hmm. until this point um it's telling and that kind of goes straight into the next question which is, yeah, which is biden is still in the top three kind of funny inverse yeah um yeah like i like we just talked about biden is the top is, is at the top um and the top three are biden warren and bernie the second part of that question was will anything ever be catchier than yang gang uh lamentably i don't know that anything will hit that yang lead. gang he got a little lucky there a good Name for the people who like you. Like, riding with Biden. It's kind of gross, but it kind of works for him. The face I'm making now is like... But is that wrong for him? It's... Ugh. I mean, riding with Biden, it sounds fine, but I just feel like... No, I don't think I can pull it off. I don't think I can pull it off at this point. I don't know. I think think to be a little consistent. To have a slogan like riding with Biden, you have to be like a young, cool guy who like tiktoks i don't know there has to be like some you, i mean like yeah, that Andrew Yang kid. could beto could maybe pull it off that's Andrew too Yang to mind but beto's not um like let's schmaltzy go, enough let's go beto that's horrible that's I hate stupid it. i hate it <laughs> <laughs> i'm just listen i'm just i'm just throwing out ideas here i'm seeing what sticks no let's actually make that an assignment as i'm on my honeymoon and you miss me and i miss you and we call across the ocean to each other let's spend this time brainstorming catchy and, and sell gonna, them guys send us oh, your yeah. ideas for people's if slogans that puns, are better than yang gang are we gonna beat it probably not are we gonna uh, try uh, heck yeah we have to um i do want to say we're gonna get to some other questions that came up that are a little more policy heavy later like about sane healthcare and gun policies who has the best one uh comparing warren and sanders i do want to address the concept of a warren sanders ticket very quickly and i would say i I hope not, and I don't think so, because typically the VP position is adding some other either policy-based appeal or demographic appeal, and the fact that both Warren and Sanders are senators, VP is arguably a step down for them. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I Less would, control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, you, the, honestly, the Senate would lose two progressive oh, that's voters, true, which too. if you care about I was even th- progressive I was issues, the interest. Yeah. yeah, then that, that might not be a good idea. So but I picture like Julian Castro or Pete Buttigieg. Uh, yeah, I or, think Buttigieg is kind of vying Like Kristen Gillibrand, spot. some younger alternate demographic <laughs> sort of, yeah. Yeah. So I don't see that. Um, I kind of want to end with the how to Are we not going to do thing. my husband's question? Let's do Ethan's question. So Ethan 
Mackenzie's husband sent in a question that yes. I think we should answer really quick. Because we both came into it, we almost immediately both knew the answer. Yes. So in light of our recent Redford versus Newman distinction, which I want to qualify, a lot of people are like, well, what if I'm attracted to both? Honey. We're, we're all attracted all to both. Attracted to both. But it's which one under you, your head. Yeah, like which one if you're in if you have to choose one. Yeah. And you cannot you, choose both. A lot of people have a gut feeling like I would not kick either one out of bed. And one of them is literally dead, so that's saying a lot. We're saying today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um my husband asked, Warren Buttigieg Harris, Team Newman or Redford? And Brooke so. and I were in swift consensus. Yeah. So I think we decided Warren, definitely a Newman mm-hmm. gal. Uh, Buttigieg, we think he'd go with Redford. Because his husband is kind Chastin of Chastin is kind of like the charismatic. The fun, cutie. goofier. Like, you look at Butch and Sundance. Sundance, Redford, is like the more... The goofier, he's fun, goofy. like yeah. talkative. Newman is the, the ca- more yeah. stoic, witty, quiet. And Chastin and Buttigieg is very charismatic and kind of goofy yeah. and lovable and endearing. So we think he's more so Redford. So I think he... Yeah, I think Buttigieg is we Redford. Were, Kamala's kind of harder, but I think she's a Newman yes. too. I think she is, unless it's like... I need a plaything. <laughs> Brooke is hating me bringing her into the bedrooms of all of these people. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I've had to think about the the love lives of so many people tonight, and it's just you know. And unlike Jacob Wall, she does not get off on it. Make Jacob these fun Wall, little fantasy yeah, porn his, searches. His two recent things is that a Ted Cruz scandals, Ooh, uh, and Kamala Harris also had an affair with a younger man. It's all like swinging, and it's weird because he, I don't imagine, has been in a committed and relationship. He's just such firing that he can them swing. off. He's just like. One after the other, he's like, oh, that didn't work? Okay, Let me do the one. same thing with another In one. In front of this garage. Um, so last one, which I think is a good existential, kind of sobering, but also kind of heartwarming one. Yeah, it, someone asked, how do I get my friends to vote? A lot of my 20 to 22-year-old friends don't care about politics because it's quote-unquote boring. So I have gotten into very steamed conversations with my friends who don't vote. A lot of us have who care. Um, And it's it's hard because on one hand, you really want them to, to make you really want to make them understand how important it is to be civically engaged, but you can also see how. Especially now, right, right, it an it's, easy, it's easy to feel nihilistic and that your vote doesn't matter and that both sides are corrupt or no one actually cares what you think or no one's representing you. But I, I will get emphasize that. that that was rhetoric born as well. That was a real movement started to disengage people from They voting. don't want you to vote. Exactly. And so this is a real, like, you got to know your friends and know whether honey or vinegar is going to catch more flies. Yeah. I have tried both. And so the vinegar side is... And there are, there are friends I've just stopped trying with because we've had so many right. arguments about it. Frankly, it's not some worth friends have come around. Sometimes it takes a while to germinate Yeah, what you've said. Um, the vinegar side is, then you better not bitch about anything because these things are politics related. Even if you feel like your vote doesn't matter politics matters then because things like Mitch McConnell not wanting there to be a backup voting system things like the the VRA mm-hmm. these are ways that make your vote matter and in a very practical what I would way. say if you want to convince them start local and honestly talk about issues that you know are important to them and then maybe connect it like selfishness is probably not in a, a negative way but like are they struggling with uh 
school debt? Are they struggling to pay their rent? Those are very personal issues that have a... Do they have a business that they're trying to run? Do they really care about certain social issues like most of us do? They probably have... The thing is, the politics is boring thing is kind of a disconnect because actually everything in your life is affected by who's in office. Everything either on a local level, which is usually more on a local level, but either on a local level or a national level, everything in your life that you care about, it matters who you vote for, it matters who's in office. It's affected by politics. What affects us. So if you look at the actual the people you love, yeah. Yeah. So that being the most baseline level that we care about what affects us. And another vinegar position, I'm better with these, (laughs) um, is that to not care about it, if you don't have to, that's an inherent position of privilege and kind of like step up, how dare you? Because if you have the luxury, whether it be through money, class, immigration status, immigration status, gender, sexual identity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to not care. Yeah. That's great for you, but people need you to step but up. But there are so many people yes. who cannot help pay attention. And I guarantee you love them, and so Sometimes, sorry you're bored, but other people are, yeah. this is life and death Also, if you think politics in 2019 is boring, I don't know how to talk to Honey, you Honey, what? Because are you all- not paying attention? The world is on fire. Like, I don't you're know how to tell you You're definitely smarter than our president, so, like, that's like, engaging, fun. The environment affects you. It's going to affect your children. You know, your rights affect you. It's going to affect your children. So, like, Honestly, if you just talk to them about that, we need you. If we had more people in certain places who were, you know, more politically active, we might be able to put, at least on a local level, I understand how hard it is to feel like you have control on a national level, but you do. And it takes so little, almost no time at all to go vote. And the only thing that strips you of control or that makes you feel like you have less control than voting on a national scale might is not voting. Yeah, exactly. I would say. And this is what what I've told people before. You may not like either of the people running or you may not like whatever. The choice is going to be made. Either you have a small say in it or you don't. And so, like, disengagement is a choice in the the side of the worst evil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you if you're just like, you know, I don't want to be involved in it because politics is so slimy and gross. Okay, then other people are making that choice for you. Mm-hmm. And they're making choices about your life and you need to get out there and vote. But drawing it back to them personally, do you care about minimum wage? You care yeah, about rent this, prices. I think that's a really personal conversation that we yeah. can't really It depends on it depends substitute. on whatever your friends yeah. feel, but and friend, ask if, them, if your friends you are know, 20 to 22, they better start they thinking feelings. about school debt. They better start know, thinking about true. these things. They better and start thinking about the job and market. rent and transport. So yeah. just talk to them in that way. As human to human, don't be condescending, but just like let them and know. And you know there are issues that they care about. I When I graduated college, a friend, she came out to visit. We drove from Phoenix to LA and it was just like six hours sitting in the car, me trying to get her to vote. And she... You know, it took about a year, but then she texted me thereafter and she's like, I registered and I'm really proud. And ever since then, she's been a voter. So there is a honey side. I just think it's a lot more personal. And there's that quote that has been rephrased so many times. It's like, neutrality in situations of oppression favors the side of the oppressor is the essence of it. And that in a time like this, it has never been more apt in our country in terms of voting. Or in our lifetimes, for sure. I'm sure that there have been other times in in our country in which it also has mattered. Yeah, I hope there have been. But in our lifetimes, this is probably the most important time to pay attention. So as I always say, try to stay informed, try to stay involved and stay kind, stay lovely. And we love you guys. And message us, honestly. If you want a personal connection, we'll find one. If you want to reach out, we love seeing your guys for selfish reasons and just because it makes us feel all warm and toasty inside. We love I've seeing your so reviews on the podcast. If you feel like you like this podcast and you want to leave a review, we'd love that. Amanda but- J 
Oh yeah, we want to shout out Amanda J yes. who updated who her also is a great person and, and somebody super who I've sweet become yeah. friends with through through the, the podcast. podcast. Yeah, she had posted a review, one of the first ones we got, and then she updated it. It was like even sweet. It was so sweet. She just we, added more sweet stuff. We so, love you, Amanda J. Thank you. We love everyone who has taken the time to leave a review or message us or tweet at Absolutely. us. Absolutely, like let us know you're listening. It really means a lot to us. And if you want to connect, you can follow me at BKE Rogers on Twitter or Brooke Angeline on Instagram and you can message me on either. Mackenzie? If you want to connect with me or singles in your area. (laughs) If you'd like to connect with hot singles in your area. I have a retainer, but I'll connect She's cute. Don't let her lie to you. (laughs) Por que no los dos? Um, I am MKZJ Brennan on Instagram and on Twitter I am get me to a nunnery with a number two, not the word. Okay, um, happy Halloween if this is happening around Halloween. We don't know when this is going to come out, guys. What are you going to be? I was the Illuminati, but I think I might do something else for the actual day of. So. All right, we're going to update this. My husband and I are going to be the Shining Twins, and That's we're going to be in a hotel, so it's going to be real good. Take photos. Mm-hmm. I want to see them. All right, guys. Have All a right. great week. We'll have see you later. Have a great October, November. Bye.